0: We are actually gonna be in Job. Our, our our kids down the hall, right, have been studying Job the past few uh the past few weeks or months or so. And um I also just wanna point out I'm either getting really strong or really fat. Cause I used to be able to roll these things up past my elbows, and now I can't. So I don't know what's happening, but whatever. We'll say strong, yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, we are gonna be in Job today, and and there is some scripture verse to this. But we're going to bounce around a little bit, and specifically with Job, right, we're going to be talking about Job's friends, in quotation marks, Job's friends, right? So let me just overview Job real quick before we actually jump into our scripture passage today. Most of you are going to know the story of Job, right? He is from thousands of years ago, and Satan goes into the throne room of heaven, and he's like... I rule the earth, you know, this is great. And everything's evil, ha-ha, God. And God goes, but have you seen my servant Job? And Satan's like, well, yeah, but you've blessed him with everything he could ever want. He's got a great family. He's got a ton of land. He's got resources. He's got money. He's got great health. Of course he's going to praise you. And slowly yet surely, over the course of, we don't know how many days, how, how long, but I don't think it's very long. God allows Satan one piece at a time to take away each of those things, his livestock, his family, outside of, and we're going to talk much about her today, but notice the one person Satan does not take away, or God does not allow Satan to take away from him. His wife, isn't that so great? His wife was such an encouragement to him, right? That's why God left her read Job, it's almost like I wouldn't have blamed him if he had decided to curse God and die in that moment. But, slowly yet surely, God allowed, his wife is horrible. Oh, you were giving me a look like, are you sure? Oh, sorry. I was like, yes, read it. Oh, gotcha. I was like, read it, and you'll see, she was not, she wasn't an evil woman, she was just a nag. But, Slowly and surely, God allows Satan, and that's a whole message in and of itself. Realize that nothing can happen to you without God allowing it to happen. Satan had no power over Job. He had to go and ask God each time, and what was was God's? God always gave Satan one thing he was not allowed to do. He was not allowed to kill Job. And what's the one thing Satan never did? Kill Job. So just to be clear, Satan has to listen to God too. It's not just you and me. Right? So that's kind of the overview. And in the end, God he he never curses God. Now, in some of the greatest passages of scripture, in my opinion, are is Job like 39 through like 41, 42, when God talks to Job, and we see that is one of the clearest depictions of God and his character that we get throughout scripture. Take some time, some time, and read those passages in Job. Uh, As we see God's response to Job and that Job's response to God is exactly how we should be responding uh, to God and stuff like that. But it's amazing because in the end of the story, what happens to Job? He gets blessed. Is it seven times? Do you remember, Mom? I thought it was more than that. Either way, I'm not going to try to find it because Job's a long book. He is blessed exponentially more than what he was at before. Now, I also want to say this, just because you go through trial and tribulation does not mean God's going to give you a check for a million dollars. Sorry to burst that bubble. I will say this, he got an earthly reward and then got a heavenly reward. You're getting that heavenly reward too, and that's way better than any reward Job got. But in the midst of this story, it's not just Job's wife that shows up to be a comfort to poor Job. In step his three friends. And if you'll turn with me, in Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, we read this. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from his own place. Elphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Sophar, the Namathite. Does anybody want to name one of their kids that? What do you think, honey? When we have kids, can we name one of our kids Elphaz, Bildad, or Shuhite? Or Sophar? shoe height that's in region so we could go with that though cool we'll go shoe for short and then when we're upset we've we got this parenting thing on lock (laughs) no Uh, so i'm sorry picking up in verse a second half of verse 11 and they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him that sounds great When they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept, and each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was very great. Now you notice I also wrote down up there chapters 3 through 25. Strap in, let's go. Most of you didn't realize that was a joke. You went, oh no. We're going to be here a while, aren't we? No. I'm not reading those verses, but that is where the rest of this, you can leave that one up. That's where the rest of this uh, second half of the sermon comes from. Go and read those. That's Job and his friends having kind of a call and response with each other, right? Number one on your note sheets, number one on your note sheets, what they did right. What they did right. Job's friends get a really bad rap, and it's deserved, and we're going to talk about that. But they did not go with bad intentions, And in fact, they did do a couple of things the way they were supposed to. Number one, they went to him. Church, do not expect the broken to come to you. You've got to go to where they are. They heard what had happened to Job, and they went to him. They didn't go, well, I want to comfort Job, but I'm a little busy. If he calls me, I'll I'll comfort him. If he calls me, I'll spend some time on the phone with him. Or, you know what, if I see that person in the grocery store, if I see Job out and about, I will comfort him. They got up and coordinated together, we read, to go and see him. Church, you have to go see the broken. God very rarely brings them to you. He asks you to go meet them where they are. Secondly, they empathize with him or sympathize with him. You don't have to understand what somebody's going through to be a comfort to them, right? You don't have to understand. None of this, maybe one of them had lost a family member or something, but none of them could comprehend what Job was going through. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, none of you can comprehend what Job was going through either. Outside of Jesus, Job might be the most cursed person that we read of in Scripture. This poor guy had everything go wrong. We like to think, oh, everything's going wrong right now. It's not, read Job. Everything went wrong for Job. You don't have to understand what somebody's going through in order to be with them. As your pastor, my weakest point right now in my own life as a pastor is visitation. I'm not good at it. I do my best, but I'm not great at it. I like to think my strongest point is Sunday morning. I like doing music. I like preaching. I like to think I'm good at those things. I've learned over the past four and a half years, though, there was a moment when I needed to go and visit somebody, and I didn't know what to do. It was the first time I was visiting somebody, and I was like, what what am I supposed to do? And so I called up my uncle, who's been a pastor for a very long time, and I said, Uncle Jerry, what the hell am I supposed to do? I don't know this person very well. I don't know their situation. I can't sympathize with what they're going through. I don't get it. And he goes, Sam? You like to talk. And I went, yeah. And he goes, then shut up. And I went, what? And he goes, the best part you can do with visitation is go and sit there and let them talk to you. And see what they have to say. That's why I'm so bad at it. Because I like to talk. When I go and visit somebody, I don't necessarily sympathize with what you're going through. Because I'm not going through it. And just as the same, when when somebody talks to me about something, it doesn't mean they understand what I'm going through. God's not asking you to understand. He's asking you, though, to be the comfort to somebody, right? We read in Scripture, you are to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and mourn with those who are mourning. We're not good at either one of those things. When we see somebody rejoicing, our first response is, well, why couldn't that have happened to me? We're jealous instead of rejoicing with them whether they got the job or they got a paycheck or or the, or, or their you know whatever the son became a Christian or daughter right whatever we go well why didn't God why won't God do that stuff for me what we don't rejoice with them and on the flip side somebody's mourning and we go well let me make you a meal I hope you're doing well and then we leave now do not misunderstand me I'm not saying you shouldn't ask to make somebody a meal right. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that at all. In fact, I know of an, an, for a lot of people, it is a huge help, right? I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. But saying I'll make you a meal and then even making them the meal is the same thing as going, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. As a show of hands, how many people in here, when you say, I'm gonna, I'll pray for you, actually, bless you, do it. Yeah. See, it's not a thing that we're accustomed to doing. May I challenge you with something on that? If you say, I'll pray for you, change that. Say, hey, let me pray for you right now. Let's pray. And then go and pray for them separately as well. But pray for them right there. right? But God is not asking you necessarily to understand. He is asking you to empathize with them or sympathize. Which one is which? English. One of them means you don't understand. One of them means you do. I don't know. Whatever. And thirdly, what they did right, they spent time with him. Notice this whole thing just seems like visitation. This seems to be the outline for how to do visitation with somebody, and not just as a pastor. All of us are called to do visitation with our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That's what it means. They didn't leave him alone. And here's the thing, church. I want to inform you guys that you are not alone either. You're going to feel like it at points. You will. I can't change that. I am one person. If I was to try to make it so every single person didn't feel alone, everybody would feel alone because I would never spend enough time with anybody. But the fact of the matter is that we are not alone. There has been some, whether it's, whether it's with my dad, whether it was with my grandma, whether it was with Ida passing, uh, and there are so many other examples over these past uh, months of people, this church, coming around people, including people they didn't know, and coming around them to say, you're not alone in this. We'll walk through this with you. We don't know how to help you, but you're not alone. Church, you are called to ensure that no believer is alone alone when they are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, God is with them, and that's all they need. But you are called to make sure they're not alone as they're walking through it. So Job's friends did a couple of things really well. They coordinated all this together, and they're like, yeah, this is great. And then they did something very stupid and put their foot in their mouth. Number two on their note sheets, what they did wrong. What they did wrong. And this is more what his friends are known for. And these are the the same pitfalls that we fall into when we try to sympathize and visit people and stuff like that. Number one, they misunderstand what suffering is and why we suffer. Job's first friend says, Job, you've obviously sinned. God doesn't cause suffering on the righteous. One, yes, he does. Two, yes, Job had sinned. Job was not perfect. But we know from the story that is not the reason Job is suffering. And church, I'm here to tell you this morning, the reason you are suffering is probably not because you sinned. Now, you did sin, and you need to take care of that. But God is not a God who's up in heaven who's going, Oh, you sinned. Better send some suffering their way. Sometimes, yes. I'm not saying it's never the reason. Sometimes, yes, sometimes. Now, I will say it is very rarely one sin. It is usually when you are living in a pattern of sin and God's getting your attention. But Job had not sinned, but they immediately went to, you must have sinned. That's the only reason you're suffering like this, Job, that you must have sinned. They misunderstand suffering. And church, unless God lays it on your heart so strong that you cannot deny it, that somebody is suffering because they sinned, may I give you a grand piece of advice? Keep your mouth shut. Because you're not living a perfect life either. And I have noticed God has a tendency of going, oh, you think they're suffering because they sinned? I've got some for you too. Perhaps don't invite God to do things like that. They might be suffering because of their sin, and yes, God can use other believers. There have been believers in my life that have come to me and been like, I know you're living in sin. And I'm like, how? I covered it up really well. And they're like, no, you can't cover it up from God. I'm not saying that God won't necessarily place that onto your spirit. I am saying you better be darn sure it's from God and not just you. Because if you're wrong, you will cause far more harm than you will fix for that poor person and for yourself. Understand that suffering is a part of life. As my dad has said many, many times to me, life sucks and then you die. Suffering is a part of life. It's because of the fall. Yes, it is because of the original sin, but suffering's a part of life. You will suffer. Hop on board. You're no different than anybody else. And if I may be so bold, there is no one in this room whose suffering is the worst on the planet. There's nobody here. Sorry. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly, they had a massive misunderstanding of who God is. I said it last week. Don't put God in a box he doesn't put himself in. It, when you read throughout these 22 chapters... They're constantly putting God in a box from their faulty ideas of who God is. My favorite one, and I didn't write down the exact passage. My favorite one is that one of his friends tells him, God rewards the good. God rewards the good, so obviously you're not good because you're not being rewarded. Boy, that must have switched really quickly when Job was rewarded. I don't know what he did, but somehow he went from evil to good really quickly. Church, I want to tell you something this morning. God does not reward the good. God chooses to reward whom he's going to choose to reward. And you can't figure it out, because I can't either. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning, there are a lot of evil men and women who have been rewarded on earth beyond our wildest dreams, right? Beyond our wildest dreams. Meanwhile, I like to think I'm pretty good. I pay my taxes on time. That's pretty good. I go to church every single week. How many of you can say over the past four and a half years there's not been a Sunday you didn't attend church? Yeah, that's right. I'm better than all of you. No. I put money in, Well, I don't put money in the offering plate. Maddie writes the check and puts my money in the offering plate. So if, So if you think the pastor's not tithing, you need to take it up with her, not me. Okay. no, I don't sin too often that I think of. I'm kind to people most of the time. I'm a good person. Where's my million-dollar check, God? I'd like to own Amazon or Tesla and go to space. Let's go to Mars. Instead of, you know, fixing some of the problems we've got here, let's head off to Mars. For those of you that don't know, Elon Musk is like dead. Set, we're going to Mars, and I don't know why, whatever. Right? And I'm not saying Elon Musk is evil. That's for you guys to decide. That's not for you guys to decide. That's for God to decide. Um, But the fact of the matter is that they have this idea that God rewards the good. He doesn't. He chooses whom he's going to bless, and that's whom he blesses. And if I may be so bold, you and I are incredibly blessed. Number one on your blessings. Where do you live? America. You live in the greatest country on earth, and I think the greatest country that has ever existed. You have more freedoms than anyone else in human history. That's awesome. Do you realize how blessed you are to be born here? I look around this church, and as most churches are, we have probably two-thirds women to one-third men. That's a normal sort of ratio. Women, you should be exponentially glad you were born here, because if you were born in any other country, you would have almost no rights. You've got a bunch of them here. Men, in almost every other country, you would be forced to be in the military. Here, yes, I know, we get our draft cards. I don't have mine anymore because I don't need it now, but you get your draft cards, and men, you could technically be drafted, but no man is forced to join the military straight out. In a ton of other countries, when you turn 18, you serve two years in their military. You have the right to speech. You have the right to write what you want to. You have the right to sit here in the pew this morning. God has blessed you innumerously. Show of hands, how many of you is a Christian? Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. It was a trick question. If you didn't raise your hand, I want you to see me after class today. No. More so than the country you live in or the paycheck you may or may not be getting or the car that may or may not run the way you'd like it to or the roof that may or may not leak in certain spots or whatever, right? You have Christ. That's the greatest blessing you could ever have. And if I may be so bold, not a single person in here has ever been good. The Bible tells us we're evil. It's a misunderstanding of God. And here's the thing where they go incredibly wrong. They condemn Job in their misunderstanding. They condemn Job for it. Poor Job, who's had his family killed. His livestock killed, his entire livelihood taken away, he has been struck with boils that we read, he is using broken jars and scraping the pus off of himself. Somebody said I need to do an interesting note. Is that interesting enough, Chris? All right. Poor Job is sitting there, being nagged by his wife, being nagged by his friends, and he's going, what did I do wrong, God? God. Now, Job had his own problems because we read he views himself as a little more righteous than he actually is, and that's when God shows up and is like, hey, we read this verse. This is out of Job 35 or 37, verse 5. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. Job couldn't get it, and it was happening to him. How much are his friends supposed to understand it? So instead of of condemning the person who's in suffering, be with them. So I uh, I have some challenges for you here on this Sunday morning, right? One of the challenges I have for you guys is, look around the sanctuary. We've grown in the past four and a half years. That is awesome. When I first got here, I could go and visit everybody in a week for one hour and not have put in a 20 hour work week. If I did that now, you wouldn't have a sermon on Sunday mornings. So, my first challenge to you guys this morning is this go see each other outside of these four walls and spend some time with each other. You don't have to be bosom buddies with everybody, right? I'm not saying you need to be best friends with everybody. I am saying, hey, you know, you hear that somebody is in a little bit of a trouble. Go say hi to him. Call first because I'm just letting you know if one of you guys shows up at my door unannounced, my first response before I get to the door, my first response is, Ugh. and then I put on the pastor's smile. I go, hey, how are you? At least if you text beforehand, I go, okay, here we go. Do somebody the courtesy of allowing them to say, no, please don't come right now. Do somebody that courtesy, right? But maybe just send a little note, Facebook, right, in the mail. Boy, you have no idea One, and I'm I'm not bashing you, Laura, right now, because you send out so much stuff, and it's great. How many of you guys have received a card or a note, something like that, from the church over the past, like, six months? Is it longer than that? Since you've been doing it, six, seven months. If you've received anything from the church, I want to tell you something. It did not come from me. It did not come from mom, most likely. She wrote a couple. It came from Laura, who sits there on Thursday mornings and writes them all out for us. Here's the thing. We've now grown big enough. Laura can't do it by herself either. Send something to each other. Secondly, secondly, and yeah, that is something. Hey, I want to challenge you guys this week. I'll give you two weeks to do it so you can find addresses and stuff. Choose one person from this congregation and send them a little card this week. Just say, hey, I'm praying for you, and then actually pray for them. You might not know what to pray for them for, but just pray for them, right? Don't say, hey, I noticed you're doing it. Nope, nope, keep it at, hey, love you, I'm praying for you, and send it out. If you need stamps, come see me. I'll get you a stamp. Secondly, secondly, what? That just said, we'll get them. If you're like, I want to do it really bad, but I don't have a stamp, we'll get you a stamp. I'll even lick it for you if you need to, although most stamps don't need that anymore. They're sticky on the back. I'll lick it anyway. What a good pastor. Yeah. Secondly, secondly. I want to encourage you to keep doing something you guys are already doing. When there is a crisis in this church, and over the past six months, we have had a number of them. Keep stepping up to the plate to meet the need, both in this church and outside of it. If I may brag on somebody who is relatively new here, that guy back there, Jared. Nope. No, no, you got to turn around. Yeah, yeah, you. You. Jared stepped up to the plate to help us run sound, along with Don, when Dad wasn't here. There were a number of people who stepped up to help send food. There were a number of people who stepped up when Mom wasn't here and we didn't have kids' ministry to either, for instance, take the toddlers down the hallway or just help with the kids that are in here. There's people helping right now. I want to encourage you this morning. Keep stepping up to the plate. Because there will be more crises that happen down the road. It might be tomorrow. It might be two months from now. It might be a year from now, but they are coming. Keep stepping up to the plate to help not just this church, the building, and the things that have to happen, but to help the people of this church. That is what this church is about and for. So, to reiterate... Choose somebody over the next two weeks. I'm giving you two weeks to do it. Choose somebody, send them a card. Just a little. It could be a postcard. Praying for you. Love you. Send it out. Make it somebody who you wouldn't normally do it for, right? Don't get a card for your husband or wife. Choose somebody. Maybe it's somebody you don't talk to very often on a Sunday morning, right? And secondly, and secondly, what did you just say it might be your husband or wife? There, there you go. <laughs> And secondly, I want to I, I encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing there. You guys have stepped up to the plate in so many ways over the past months, and I love to see it. There's more to do, no doubt about it. And if you've got questions, if you're like, I'd like to do something, come talk to Mom or I. We can find something for you to do, I, if I may. Linnea, what was the worst line you could say when we were at Grandma's house? I'm bored. If you uttered those two words at Grandma's house, you were not bored for very long, and normally you were tired because she said, I've got stuff for you to do. If you're like, "Wow, I want to do something, but I don't know what, Mom will find something for you to do. Don't worry about it. She's good at that. Job's friends did some right. They did a lot wrong. Learn from their examples. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you and lift you up this morning. I thank you that you give us this incredible example of Job and his friends, of what to do right with people in suffering, but also what they did wrong. I ask, Father, that you would put on each of our hearts the person to send something to this week and next week. And I pray, Father, that you would lift us up and encourage us to keep doing what we're already doing in this church. Father, we praise you, we love you. so in the name of your son we pray, amen and amen.